Welcome, this is Josh Rees with Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. For more information about our church, please visit our website, milehighchurch.org. My topic today is Grandma's Christmas Quilt. And really, ultimately, this is about how we can maximize our living. So in the late 70s, at a Christmas, a family Christmas celebration, my grandmother on my dad's side, Grandma Teal, Mary Teal, presented me with a box, a large box, uh, and I opened it, and it was a quilt that she had made by hand. And she told me she was making a quilt for all of her grandchildren, and I was the first to get one. And I was struck by its beauty, and I, could, I, I just couldn't imagine how anybody could do this. Uh, and... Um, and at the time that she put into it. <clears throat> so at the time I was a bachelor, I didn't quite know what to do with it, but I brought it home and I got one of those plastic bags that zip up, you get a pillow in or a blanket in, you know, and uh, I put it in there and zipped it up and put it on a high shelf and all's well. Until um, <laughs> later on, Erica and I were married and she came across this. She said, what's that? And I took it down and said, my grandmother made that quilt and gave it to me at Christmas time. And she opened it up and looked at it, and she said, this is beautiful. Let's take it out and use it. (laughs) Radical idea. And I thought, well, yeah, so we did. We did. And I've remembered that moment, uh, an impactful moment, many of the ways that Erica's impacted my life for good, Uh, an impactful moment. And it, it, it encourages me to ask you, what might in your life or in yourself be held back, uh, restricted, stored away, and not in expression in your life. Because you see, the the really great things in life are meant to be and made to be active in circulation, uh, expressing in this life. And, And so all too often, we take things we deem to be precious and we hide them away. Uh, some of that's okay, but I think we go overboard. Maybe it's as a hedge against our fear of loss. Or maybe it's to seemingly deny the inevitable action of change and deterioration of everything in the material and worldly uh, dimension. Or maybe it's trying to uh, maintain the illusion that we can keep something forever or keep it in perfect shape. You know, and I often wonder... If, if, if is anything that is unexpressed or unutilized really perfect? Is it, is it really perfect? Isn't the greater loss the loss of enjoyment of whatever it might be, of purposes unfulfilled, purposes unfulfilled? So perhaps we only have what we activate and express what we share, and what we give away. Maybe that's what, the only thing we really have. Everything else is superfluous. I mean, who said <clears throat> that the, the great high purpose of our being on this planet is to create the most illustrious life museum we can? <laughs> We're not here to museumize our lives. We're here to maximize our lives. So where are you museumizing That's a word I've just created, by the way. (laughs) And not fully maximizing 
in your life. Love the legend of the miser who hid his gold. He dug a hole at the base of a tree in his garden and he put his gold in the hole and he covered it up. And every week he would come and he'd unearth the gold and he'd just stare adoringly. Then he'd bury it again. Well, a thief stole into the garden one night, dug up the gold and made off with it. And the next time the miser came to look at his gold, he dug it up. There was nothing. It was just an empty hole. And he, he let out this loud, loud howl so much that the neighbors were concerned. They ran out and to see what was the matter. And, and he told them. And one of the neighbors asked, well, did you use any of the gold? And the miser said, no. Well, and the, the neighbor said, well, then nothing has changed. For all the good the gold did for you, you might as well just come, keep coming here and looking at the empty hole. So it's about, uh, are we using, expressing, bringing out of mothballs greater elements of ourselves and of all that we have to enjoy and to express in this life? And it's, it's, it's not just about the things that we hold to be too dear to bring out into the light of day. It's also about the gift, the incredible gift every one of us is. The incredible gift we are and the unique multifaceted gifts that every one of us represent. It's about bringing those forth more and more, giving them into life, not holding back. Robert Fulgham, an author I've dearly loved, he writes about how he one Christmas wanted to give his wife a cuckoo clock. So he bought one unassembled. And he spent hours and hours and hours trying to assemble this clock until he got so frustrated he said that he smashed and killed the cuckoo bird. <laughs> and then he kind of took stock of himself and he put it all in a box and he gave it to his wife anyway. And they had a great laugh with it. And he writes about that. He says that he kept something from that Christmas. He says, it's the memory of the Christmas message written on the packing carton. It said, some assembly required. <laughs> Lesson, to assemble the best that is within you and give it away. Out of storage and into expression. Out of storage and into expression. See, you know, this shopping, sometimes we shop so feverishly at this time and forget that some of the most meaningful gifts are the imparting of ourselves to those we love and to the world. Uh, Khalil Gibran in The Prophet writes, you give but little when you give of your possessions. It is when you give of yourself that you truly, truly give. Shopping. I've never been much into that. Uh, I, I put it in the same category as landscaping. Um, <laughs> things that I would rather never have to do in my life. I'm reminded of the two guys who decided that instead of going shopping, Christmas shopping with their wives, they would go sailing. So they were out in their boat and they were enjoying it and a storm came up. And they were having a hard time directing the boat. And, and the, the currents and the winds drove them into a sandbar and the boat became grounded. So both of them jumped out and they had to try to push, they were trying to push the boat into the deeper waters again. And one of the guys, he was, he, he was knee deep in mud and, and the waves were slapping him against the boat and the wind was rifling through his hair. And at one point he looked up and grinned at his buddy and he said, sure beats Christmas shopping, doesn't it? <laughs> and I'm, I kind of align with that. <laughs> you 
are a spiritual gift. If there's anything that Christmas is for, if there's any great purpose, it's that. That we might awaken to the real gift of our true nature. And all that it can be and become. I think we sometimes hold static images of ourselves, as well as others, but especially of ourselves. And Christmas says that's something that God's seed in you. It's got so much. Open to it. Trust it. In the, the years I've worked with thousands of individuals, I've often seen that the most common baseline challenge is not trusting oneself, born of lack of a sense of self-worth. Not trusting oneself. Christmas is a time to say, how could in the coming year I explore more of myself? Beyond my habits, my routines, my comings and goings, the way I've always done things, but how could I explore and activate more of myself and then give it away? What if I got out of the way of the divine intent to express my spiritual magnificence? My spiritual magnificence. And you know, the thing, the thing about us that we often hold to be too precious, too fragile, too vulnerable to inject into our living is our hearts. The very thing that actually is the key to our greatness, but so very often we hide our hearts away. We, we protect them. We cover them. Um, we hold them back in defense or in self-protection. And I know in my early years in life, I did too much of that. But it's a glorious moment when we realize that the very greatest thing that we have and gift that we may impart is our heart. It is great and wise and powerful beyond measure, far wiser than our intellectual mind. It's designed to be the leader of our lives, not the follower, not an occasional thing, but the leader of our lives. And what if we allowed that to happen? What if we brought that out of storage or out of a protective hiding spot? And lived our hearts full out. So that's my message for you today. The good of life for you. Out of storage and into expression. Your spirit out of storage and into expression. Your heart out of storage and into expression. So three steps for an even richer life for you. First of all, rededicate your gifts. Trust your gift. Explore your gifts, expand upon your gifts, and rededicate them to the good of your life and, and, and to the gifting to all of life. I think it was Howard Thurman that says, what the world needs now are people who've owned who they really are and are fully alive and are living that life. So to rededicate to your gifts and to trust those and give them as your gift to life. You are a spiritual gift. If you'll own that and trust that, it'll, it'll happen. It'll start to flow. Um, in 1988, late in, yeah, 1988, um, Erica and I um, were privileged to start a friendship with the, the wonderful song, sing, uh, the singer and songwriter, John Denver. And we had planned our uh, honeymoon to be in Aspen right after, the week after our, our wedding. And we did that. And when John found out about that, he asked if we'd stay longer and if I would officiate at his, his wedding to his second wife, Cassandra Delaney. And so we lovingly agreed. And 
when we met with him to go over the ceremony, I asked, are you going to sing at your wedding? And he said, you know, I've thought about that and decided not to because I just want to be fully present. But I have invited a wonderful friend, James Galway. And I'm, I want you to let him play the flute. The acclaimed flautist. Um, got a picture here of him. Sir, Sir James Galway, um, a miraculous flute player. And so he was there and he played. I was only then later to find out about the path of overcoming that Galway experienced. You see, after a a concert in Switzerland, he was walking with a group of his friends to a restaurant near the concert hall, and they heard a motorcycle roaring up behind them, and the group tried to move over out of the way, but they weren't quick enough, and the motorcycle just rammed right through the group. It injured three people, including Galway. He ended up in the hospital with two broken legs and a broken arm. And then the, the knitting of the bones together didn't go well. And he spent many, many months in that hospital. He was then in a wheelchair for a long time. It was a long time before he could perform again. And you know, life deals us with some interesting experiences. For him, he took the reins of that and asked, what's the gift here? And how can I make good of this? And I love the realization that he came to as he wrote about this experience. He said, I decided that henceforward I would play every concert cut every record, give every performance as if it were my last. The important thing is to make sure that every time I play the flute, my performance will be as near perfection as God intended, and I shall not be remembered for a shoddy performance. Now, I just feel like there's a lot of heart in that. It's, just, it's not perfectionism. It's just like, I love this gift, and, and I'm not going to desecrate it or take it lightly. I'm going to give it away. And I'm telling you, you may not be a world-renowned flautist, but you've got a gift as miraculous and wonderful and maybe a, a, an array of them. And, and to trust it and rededicate to those gifts rather than storing them away or pushing them away, hiding them away, out of storage and into expression. Secondly, I invite you to renew your involvement You see, sometimes I I feel like we find ourselves in the stands, sitting in the stands as a spectator of life. When life is inviting us to be in the arena as participants. And and sometimes things get tough in our own lives or in the world around us and we, we go back into a corner. We slink back into a corner and we hide out or we withdraw. And that life is really saying, come forth. Be a part of this. Get involved. Don't close down. Don't be constrictive in your life. Be expansive. Be a person of increase and involvement in your life. That's the way life can flow through you and me and bless you. And that's more of how the real self in us can start to shine and to express. Re-involved. Giving, expressing, sharing. I want to share with you about another couple. This is, as you're seeing on the screen, Jeff Kaufman and his wife, Julia Wise. They live in Boston. Jeff is a computer software uh, programmer, and Julia is a social worker. Well, a while back, they decided to give away nearly 60% of their after-tax income to charities that were working to reduce poverty and save lives in developing nations. And since they decided to do that in 2008, they have given away $400,000 to these various causes. And they've also been 
involved in many local projects in their life. And when I ran across that, I thought, wow, how intriguing. And I, I looked into it, and I like what Julia says in explaining this. The things we love most, she and her husband, are spending time with family and friends, making music, dancing, cooking, reading. All these are things we can do on a small budget. If we gave less, we would spend more on ourselves, but wouldn't probably be noticeably happier. And she says giving is one of the most important things in her life. And she does it because she believes, and I quote, that people, all people, even far away people, should not have to suffer and die needlessly. Uh, and she adds, you don't have to be rich to be generous. It might be easier for people with heaps of money, but those of us who have to think about rent and groceries can still do a lot. I'm a lot happier giving large than living large. I think we're all here to be living large by giving large. How to be a great giver. How to renew my involvement. At this time when I remember and rebirth who I really am, the God-intended being, an outlet for the Spirit. A way for maximizing in our life. Renew your involvement. And then finally, reinvigorate your caring. Maybe that's what this is really all about, is to reinvigorate our hearts and the caring of our gifts and our involvement and, and how we deal with life. And what I know is that at Christmas time, sometimes there's a pretty stark contrast between the cheer of the season and the difficulties of our lives. The cheer of the season and what we sense is going on in the world the ills and the challenges in the world, in our country, in our culture. And then there's the cheer of the season. How to reconcile, how to deal with that, that contrast. Sometimes we, again, hide away, become complacent, apathetic, or feel like there's nothing I can do. But is that what it's all about? Aren't we called to deal honestly with the facts the facts of what's going on in the world. We don't stick our head in the sand. We're called to deal honestly with the facts of what gets delivered up in our experience, in our own personal life. There's no denying that, and sometimes it's really hard. I know that. As a minister, we're not immune from that. We sit with people who are going through every bit of that all the time. And here's the deal. Our mission is to, yes, acknowledge the facts honestly, and then ring the bell of the truth, to counter facts with truth. Because for every fact, no matter how difficult, there's a transformative truth. And that grows us. That allows life to guide us and empower us. And that's what Christmas is about. It's a time where we can remember there's a larger truth. And we can be its instrument. And maybe more light can shine in this world. One more picture to show you. This interesting fellow is Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the great poet in the 1800s. It was Christmas Day, 1863, and Henry felt so empty, so desolate. He was caring for his son, Charles, who had been um, gravely injured in the war. The Civil War was raging uh, at the time. And he was feeling the ripples of so much loss. His first wife 
died after a miscarriage. And then his beloved second wife, Fanny, had just died 18 months earlier in an, in an accidental fire. And Henry had tried to rush in to save her, and he was burnt so badly that he couldn't even attend her funeral. And in fact, he grew that, that bushy beard to cover up the disfigurement on his face uh, from the burns. And so here he was. The Civil War was raging on. He was an abolitionist. He felt his country was being ripped apart. He had all that personal loss and, and heartache. Um, in fact, the casualties from Gettysburg alone were 51,000, and all this weighed so heavy on him. He did the thing he knew how to do. He turned to his muse, the spirit, and he picked up his pen. And he wrote a poem that later became a carol that you all know. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. And you know that it starts out in a simple way. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. And mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And yet as he developed the poem, he got honest about his discouragement at the human level and his heartache at the human level. And the sixth stanza shows this sadness. And in despair, and you'll see these words, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. You ever felt like that? Maybe even recently? So we don't run away and hide from the facts and from what they mean to us and how it feels. And as dedicated spiritual students, we strike a bell of the truth. We add that component of the truth which expands us, opens up options, guide, opens up guidance. And that's what he did in the last stanza. He writes, and in despair, oops, excuse me, last stanza he said, then rang the bells more loud and deep, more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. I love it. In the midst of all that was going on, he declared, God still is. I still am. Light still shines. And I stand with that. And that's what we get to do as we reinvigorate our caring for the truth that so far transcends the facts of our life, of life itself. So yeah, today is all about how we can maximize, not museumize our life. It's about all the greatness and the goodness within us out of storage and into expression. Thank God for that quilt of my dear long-departed grandma, a great gift of her heart. We took it out, and boy, did we use it. It was a bedspread, but that was the mildest it experienced. It, it became a tent uh, for our boys and a fort on a lot of occasions with our boys. Uh, it uh, was a covering that we wrapped around the boys when they were sick. Um, it, it was left outside a, a couple of times. It was packing material around something fragile in a move. Um, it was uh, a temporary wall hung in a basement soon to be finished to separate two bickering teens. 
And after many, many, many years, it was worn and torn and stained, but more beautiful than ever in my mind because it had been involved in our lives. And it was beautiful. So, give your gifts. Open your heart. Get involved. Care. And see what births itself within you this Christmas time. Let's have a prayer. As we breathe deeply and settle in for some moments of spiritual attunement, we sense that light divine, that higher life within us, so much more than the comings and goings and the doings of our experience. That beautiful beingness born of infinite love and intelligence bearing the birthright of spirit into unique expression. Sense that. Sense that essence you've always known was more than you knew, and yet you knew of it. You sense it. We attune to that this Christmas time, that it might well up and become so much more than an afterthought stored away but to be the dynamic gift and guide for enriched living. Know with me, this day, I know who I am. I'm the love, the beauty, the potential of God, the source who created me, sustains me, carries me forward eternally in my life, the love that always holds me this Christmas time. An ever deeper awareness is birthed in the manger of my heart and allowed to grow into mature expression in my moments, in my days. I'm ready to trust and to live fully and see how life makes a difference as I simply and eloquently am being me, more and more fully the spiritual me. And I give thanks that all the way I am guided and inspired, I'm healed from the travails of life, empowered always to see the glory of the holy instant through my opening heart. Thank you for this Christmas gift. So we give thanks for this truth alive in us this time, letting it move out to, to bless and to cherish all the times we spend in celebration, carrying us into a new yearly cycle with even greater energy, vision, and joy. So I give thanks for this truth. We take a moment to know the availability and the activity of peace and goodwill in our country and across this world. And for the coming forth of this in our lives and in the lives of all, we give thanks and we let it be so with profound gratitude. And so it is. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.